Good morning and uh, welcome to Silver Creek Church. It is, it's great to, to have you here. Uh, like I said earlier, we are excited um, that you're in church today and uh, it's my pleasure to be with you here this morning. Um, sometimes I have the opportunity to speak throughout the year just you know, kind of, kind of when it happens. Other times, it's because uh, Pastor Kevin goes to another continent, and um, that's where we find ourselves today. Uh, for those of you wondering, uh, Pastor Kevin and Madison and Claudia, uh, they're doing well. They have a full day of ministry planned today in Cameroon. I, I want to say it was a couple churches and a conference, I believe, but everything I've heard back uh, has been very good so far. Um, I did have a, a little heart attack almost the other day. I, I rolled over and picked up my phone and I had a missed call from Cameroon and I was not expecting a call from Cameroon but uh, I think Pastor Kevin was trying to get a hold of me and we missed it but all things are good and I am excited to be uh, with you this morning and this morning we're wrapping up our June sermon series that has been called Basics. Um, and throughout this month, we've looked at a number of things that you and I can do in our lives that may seem basic on the front end, but they will help grow and develop our walk with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I know that I need to continue to grow and develop my relationship with Jesus. So I've found this series to be especially beneficial. The beauty behind these basic things is because they're basic, they're not overly complicated, but we have to be intentional about them. We can't be in, uh, accident, accidentally engaged in something, right? Or to a person. You can't be accidentally engaged to a person, I don't think. Um, you can't accidentally, I believe, create a legacy for your family. There's an element of intentionality that has to be done in these things that are, in fact, basic, it takes desire and a choice to cultivate this important relationship in our lives, the most important relationship that we have, that being our relationship with God. If you missed a week this month, I would encourage you, please go online, go on Facebook, go on YouTube, get caught up. Uh, we have the podcast available uh, because I think that there's something for each and every one of us this month. Which leads us to this morning, and this morning's message is tell your story. And I can already tell um, that some of you are already a little bit nervous, and you're thinking, uh-oh, Pastor Ben's going to tell me I have to talk to people. And uh, just to put your fears at ease, yes, I am, okay? Um, we'll get to that uh, here in just a few minutes. But before we jump into sharing our story, talking about a story that I is worth being shared, there... Uh, and before I make some of you anxious and want to leave, there's a few, a few questions that we have to answer. Um, you know me, I like to, as I, as I speak, I like to think about questions that maybe you're asking and then try to answer them before you ask them so that we're all on the same page. But we have to answer questions like, what is a story? We all have an idea of it, but I want us to make sure we're all thinking of the same thing. After that, it's what is my story? Pastor Ben, what are you talking about? What is my story? And thirdly, if it's my story, why do I have to tell anyone about it? Because it's mine, right? Why do I have to share about it? So those are a couple of the things that we're going to look at here today. So as I do every time I speak, Pastor Ben's definition of the day um, is the word story. I want us to, to have the same thought in mind. A story is a narration of the events in the life of a person 
or a report or account of a matter. And so today, specifically, I want you to have that second definition in your mind, a report or account of a matter is what we're talking about when we say story. Stories are everywhere. In fact, Ken Burns says history is mostly story. I'll let you think about that for a second because it's actually kind of funny. History is mostly story. We love stories. Anybody love stories? Come on. We have to, we love stories. Even if you didn't raise your hand, I know you do. Um, uh, in fact, right now, you might have in your mind, or as I'm saying it, you might have in your mind a thought of a story or a book from your childhood that had an impact on you, that kind of stuck with you. Anyone have one of those stories in your minds that, that maybe you read to your own kids that just, it, it stuck with you? For me, it was uh, the story, it was the book, Love You Forever. Anyone remember that book, Love You Forever, I'll Like You For Always? Um, sometimes I test my mom on that to see if she still likes me. Um, but she does. Uh, I remember my mom reading me that book, and I also remember my grandma reading me that book as I was a, a young child. And, and one specific instance that has just stuck in my mind um, for, for a lot of years is we were at my grandparents' cabin, which is uh, at Spencer Lake. It's in Wisconsin. And uh, we were on the porch swing, and my grandma was reading me this book. And it just has stuck with me. I knew that even though she was reading me a book, I knew that the sentiment, the feeling behind it was also echoed in how she felt. That story connected with me. You might be able to imagine a funny story um, that a grandparent or a coworker has told you, uh, and I believe that story is the cornerstone of communication. We communicate in stories. That's how we talk. So that's why I didn't believe you when people didn't raise their hand and say they love stories, because that's, that's literally conversation. That's how we communicate is through story. It's everywhere. There, it's in TVs, it's in books, it's in movies, in magazines, and the news. They're all telling some type of story. Some of the stories we don't want to listen to. Um, some are uh, uplifting while others kind of bring us down. Some are 100% true, and then others are maybe a little embellished. Anyone have one of those friends who you can believe 60% of what they say because they're always adding to it, right? They're, uh, stories, they're, they're how we, we communicate, and they're everywhere. They're all telling us something. Even social media has stories now. If you use Facebook or Instagram, you can add a picture to your story, and the story kind of stays around for just a short period of time, and so throughout your day, you can take a picture of the cat, and then you can take a picture of your lunch, and then your dinner, and then your dessert, and, and, and people can see a little snapshot of your day through your story. Stories are valuable. I believe that we connect, uh, we learn, we connect with others, we grow, we communicate, and we become inspired by story. And I think it's how God created us. And if you want evidence of that, Jesus spoke in parables. He told stories because he wanted to connect with people where they were at and in ways that would make sense to them. When something happens in our lives, good or bad, we have to tell someone about it. It's hard to keep those things inside because we want to communicate that. We want someone else to be aware of what's going on. 
And story can be scary at times because it can be personal, personal stories. It can be painful. We have, we have painful stories to tell, but at the same time, they can bring joy, they can bring wonderful memories, and they can bring inspiration. They can connect with people. That's the power of stories is connection, I believe. So I have three things that I want to talk about this morning um, as it refers to our story and telling our story. And so the first one, simply put, some, I think somebody needs to hear this today, is that you have a story. You have a story. Today, there is a story with your name on it. And when I say story, and when we talk about it the rest of today, because I'm going to say it probably 150 times, um, when I say your story, what I'm talking about today is um, I'm referencing the story of God at work in our lives. So each of us have a story of God at work in our lives, and those stories are completely different from the person sitting next to you. It's different from mine. It's different from your friend or your spouse. The, the point that you are at your relationship with Jesus, it is different. You might be here today and not have a relationship with Jesus, and so your story is going to look different than someone else who, who has followed God for, for 30 years. And there's nothing wrong with that because, as we're going to look at in a few minutes, there's more to that story. So you have a story. You're alive. You're here or you're listening online at a later date. Um, you have a story. It might not be fully realized. It might not be fully developed yet. It might actually uh, feel incomplete or you don't know where it's going. But regardless of where you're at, you have a story. You have a story of God's work in your life. I think most of us probably know at least a, a singular great storyteller. Um, a lot of us, it could be a grandparent or, or a spouse or a friend. Um, there's something to be said about great storytellers. They have this ability to pull you into whatever they're talking about, no matter the topic. He's not here today, so I can talk about him. Um, but for those of you who know Matt Dunham, okay, Matt Dunham is a great storyteller. It doesn't matter if he's talking about uh, the wheel on his work van, okay? He tells a story. He sucks you into what he's saying. He's excited about it. He, he makes you feel part of the story even though you're trying to just keep up because you're not really sure where he's going, okay? He has the ability to tell stories, and um, there's something to be said about that. Sometimes those storytellers in our lives um, their impact comes from their role in our lives or their ability to deliver the story, but at the end of the day, they have something they want to involve you in, right? Telling a story, if I, if I tell Quintessa a story, it's because I want her to know something funny that happened or I have something to communicate her to her. There's something that has to be said about bringing someone else into your story, one of the best storytellers I've seen, I don't know him personally, um, but uh, is, a, is a comedian. It's a Christian comedian, and he, he goes by the name of Michael Jr. And I've, I've showed some of his stuff to, to our students in Switch, and he, um, he's a great storyteller. Now, he could be fooling me. All of his stories could be bogus, and I wouldn't know because I don't know him. But his ability to communicate some of these thoughts and bring you into the story is incredible. 
If you've never seen him, check him out on YouTube because he, he tells these personal stories. He mixes in humor and then brings it back around to biblical truths. It's like, th- it's like the perfect mix of those things. You will laugh, you will learn, and you'll, you'll come away uh, with something like that. So he shares part of his story in, in a couple of his videos. And this was before he had a relationship with God. He knew, because it wasn't a secret, but as a child, he struggled to read. He had a difficult time reading, and nothing he tried really worked for him. And the older he got, it became more evident, at least to himself. And he says around the age of 14, he, it, it became really evident that he struggled with reading. It also became evident that there were 14-year-old girls around him that he was keenly aware of, and he didn't want them to know that he struggled with reading. So in his story, he's, he's sharing this, and you can sense the authenticity in it, and he came up with this system. He developed this system in his mind to help him figure out what a word was, even though he couldn't actually read it. And it's incredible to hear him share about this. So uh, sounding the word out phonetically didn't work for him, so he looked at it differently. And he says that he would look at the font size, the color of the word, the positioning of the word, what was in front of the word, and what was behind the word, and how people were responding it, all to decipher what the word was. Now, if you think about that, if to, de- if to decipher one word, he has to go back to what the word was before it, he would have already had to figure that one out. So there's a lot of work that he's putting into being able to make it through whatever he's reading. But he developed this system to determine what the word was. By the time he was in high school, he was so fast at doing this that people didn't really know he, he couldn't read very well. They had no idea. His teachers, I, I don't believe, had, had a great idea about it either. But he was fig- figuring, out, figuring it out as he went. See, at this point in, in Michael's life, if he would have sat down and tried to take a look at his story, it would have been found to have been lacking something important. It wasn't perfect. You're, you're in high school. Uh, any, anyone in school knows that you have to rely on, on reading to get your homework and everything done, and he was at a point where that's something he struggled with. His story was found to be lacking. There were some holes in the plot of his, of his young adult life, or so he thought. We're gonna get back to that story here in just a moment, but growing up, I heard a lot about sharing your testimony in church. Anyone heard those words, share your testimony? You know? And uh, growing up in church as, as a pastor's son, that was something that happened all the time. And I would hear these stories of how people were delivered from a life of addiction or how God had miraculously healed someone or restored relationships in their lives, these amazing big God moments in people's lives. And I began to, to kind of play tricks on myself. Um, and so when I would think about my testimony, I thought, mine doesn't, I don't have any stories like that. And so in my mind, I had kind of this struggle that was going on um, when it came to sharing my story. I remember thinking to myself how easy it would be to share my story if my story sounded like theirs. I thought, nobody wants to hear about, about what God's done in my life because it's not big, it's not exciting, there's not any miracle that has taken place. I didn't have a moment of being delivered or something that I thought could illustrate the true restorative power of God in my life 
or so I thought. I was young. I didn't, I didn't understand, but it was a misconception about my story. I didn't see anything that would make people be in awe of how awesome God was. I never, I never did drugs or anything like that. I made mistakes, but it wasn't anything too crazy. So I, in my head, in my heart, I didn't think I had a story to tell. I thought that I would have had to have come through some extreme tragedy in life or a life-controlling issue to have a story of God's grace. And in thinking that, what I was actually doing is I was missing God's story at work in my life the whole time. Right? I thought I had to have something big, over-the-top, dramatic, extreme to be able to tell someone about what God had done in my life. But in reality, the fact that I didn't have one of those stories was, in fact, the miracle that God did in my life. I thought I didn't have anything to share. And eventually, I realized that, I, that God was protecting me from those things. God, God looked out for me in some of those areas, and I don't know the reason why. Maybe he, maybe he thought that I couldn't deal with something like that, and it would, it would cause some issues down the road, but I believe that God protected me from those things. My story was the proof of what having God honoring parents means for a young person. And I joke about this, if you, uh, if you are a pastor's kid or you know someone who is, the joke is that we grew up in church, and that is quite honestly 100% the truth. Being in church at almost all hours, um, any day of the week, the, these doors aren't open just on Sunday and Wednesday, it's all the ones between. Um, I grew up in church physically. In fact, one time we lived 100 yards from church, so even going home wasn't anything different. But I've seen in my life, Two extremes, especially of people who grow up around ministry, kids who grow up around ministry, I think that they either grow up to be adults who are following after God, who value their relationship, who are pursuing him, or a lot of times it can be the exact opposite. And the fact that I was raised in a home that was in church every moment that it was open, and today I still have a calling on my life. I still want to be involved in the ministry of God. That has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with what God did in my life. That's part of my story. It's part of what God did in me. But at the time, I missed it. And so this is what I want to say as we, as we get into the rest of uh, today. Your story right now might feel incomplete. You might feel like you're missing part of the plot. You might have a hard time seeing where God is at in your life at this very moment. And I want to tell you today, if you're having a hard time seeing it, it's okay. Keep looking because he's there. You have a story, no matter what you brought with you today, no matter how you walked into these doors, God is at work in your life, and he wants you to open up his heart to him continuing to write your story. It might, feel it might feel incomplete, it might feel depressing right now, maybe you can't see what God is planning on your behalf, but this is, this is the point. If you've ever read um, fiction, you'll, you'll know that this is true. All stories that are worth anything at all have some sort of struggle. I don't know why, I don't know why, what makes that true, I just know it's true. Any story worth telling has some sort of struggle. So number one was you have a story. Number two, quickly, your story is still being written. Sometimes when we think about a testi our testimony or, or our story, we think of a book, and a book, you open it up and there's a beginning and there's an end. 
unless it's part of a series. Um, you could you could do the old trick, read the first the first couple pages and the last couple pages, and and write a book report on it and kind of pass, you know, um, but not very well. You could do that, but our our lives. It's not, uh, now God knows the beginning and the end. He knows, he knows the start and the finish, but we don't. So that story, it's continuing as we go through it. And I think we can fall in the trap of thinking that our story has to be perfect or complete to be shared or impactful. And in doing so, we forget that the story of God's work in our lives is being written each and every day. More and more chapters are being added, and in that addition, we continue to see more of what God is doing. And this is, what, uh, this is an important thought um, that I want you to think of, um, because you might have come in today discouraged and, and frustrated and not sure where God is. Any story can seem like a lost cause if you don't turn the page. Any story looks like a lost cause if you don't see what happens next. If in that book that you're reading, it's discouraging, it's frustrating, it's, it's whatever it is, and you shut that book, you put it on the shelf, you won't know what happens next. We have to turn the page. Luke 5 uh, holds one of my all-time favorite miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospels. I love um, some of what we see and, and some of the value that's, that's in this. So we're going to read quickly um, Luke 5, 17 through 20. It says, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. First of all, I want to have friends like that, right? Friends who are, are so, imp- they're, they're, they're passionate about, about me and about especially my eternity that they're willing to vandalize some poor guy's house, you know? I, I don't know what it was like to fix that roof, but they went up on the house, they ripped the, you know, they ripped stuff off and they lowered him down. Like, that's the type of friends that we need in our lives. So let's think about this guy for a minute. He was paralyzed. His story at that point in time was awful. He couldn't work. He couldn't care for himself. He couldn't provide for a family. He had to rely 100% on other people. His value and self-worth in that day and age especially would have been nothing. Nothing. His life consisted most likely of, of laying on a mat near the temple or someplace like that and just begging for money, begging for food so he could buy something to eat. He, w- he had to rely on other people. He had to get people to help him move. And so in verse 17 that we just read, even though it doesn't talk anything about the paralyzed man, think about this for a second. In verse 17, his story was still terrible. At that point in time, as they're filling us in in what's going on as Jesus is talking, he is still paralyzed. Maybe those friends are carrying him on the mat, um, or maybe they're not, but he is still in the midst of the worst part of his story in his life. But in verse 18, the story changes. The plot begins to change course. Some men came 
and picked him up. I find it interesting that at least this, this translation, it says some men. It doesn't say his friends. It says some, some people. So maybe he didn't even know these people. Maybe they were just passing by and decided that they were going to do something about it. I don't know the answer. But these guys, they were agents of change in his story. They got him to Jesus. They, they destroyed some guy's roof to do it. And his story up until that point had been on one trajectory. And in verse 18, it completely changed. And the point that I'm saying is, if that guy would have not turned the page, if that guy would have not been um, okay with those guys taking him to see Jesus, who knows, maybe he wouldn't have been healed that day. And so as we look at our stories, wherever we're at, if it's tough right now, if you can't see where God is, I challenge you today to turn the page. Keep looking, keep going after God and see what he's doing in your life. Something might be holding you back. It feels like something's in the way, but the bigger the mountain in front of you, the bigger God will reveal himself to be. You have to keep going forward. We have to keep following him. I see in scripture and I believe 100% that God has good plans for us. Even today, if nothing feels like it's going right, there's issues at home, you're having trouble at work, there's bills that are due, no matter the situation that you find yourself in, you have to remember that our stories are still being written and we are not the author of them. And sometimes we try to be, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm terrible at writing, so anytime I try to take over and write my own story, that's when it gets messed up because we're taking the power out of God's hands and trying to do it on our own. And the encouragement that I want to leave you with is that tomorrow could be, I'm not saying it is 100%, but tomorrow could be your, your verse 18 day. Tomorrow could be the day that your story changes, that the trajectory of your life takes a different course, but you have to follow it to find out. Your story in the midst of something terrible could even be that you end up being closer to God during those difficult times than you ever were when everything seemed to be going right. I don't know why that is, but it's easier, I'll be the first to admit, it's easier to be closer to God, to be working on your relationship with him when things are terrible. Because you don't have the answers, you don't know what to do, and you're forced to rely on God. The hard part is when life is perfect. And then you're like, ah, I got this, this is... Life is pretty, pretty easy. And so we have to get to a point that as we transition into uh, the goodness of our story, what God has planned for us, that we stay reliant on him. Michael Jr., he continues with his story as an adult, and he has, this, he has a joke, you know, he said, guys, don't worry, I can read fine now as an adult. For example, above the door it says, excite, you know, that's, that's his joke. But he's talking about how now he can, that took a little while for a couple of you, but that's okay. Um, now he, he can read as an adult. He reads fine, but what he tells us and what he communicates is that the things that he learned when he had trouble reading, the way that he um, came to a point to work through that issue uh, that helped him process those words, they are still being used in his life today even though he doesn't need them in order to read a book or read his Bible, whatever it might be, he says that he can look at a person or a situation and immediately look at them or that situation in seven different ways. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but if I come to a disagreement with someone, I have one perspective, and that is mine. 
right? And on a good day, I might sort of, sort of shift to looking at their perspective, but that's human nature. But he can look at these things in a ton of different ways, and it has given him the ability to connect with people, to share his story with people, to um, find humor in things that don't seem like they're funny, and it's been something that shaped who he is. In his story, he acknowledges that God didn't cause him to struggle with his reading. God didn't do that, but he understands that God is now using what he thought to be a handicap to allow him to do what he was being called to do, right? He could not read. That, that is a big deal, and God used that, and now he goes around the country, and I'm assuming the world, and he uses humor to tell people about how much God loves them. And God was writing that story the entire time, even though he didn't know it. So our story is still being written. Genesis 50, 20, this is Joseph talking. Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was thrown in prison. He was a slave. Then he he rose up in, in the government. And this is him talking to his brothers after they had ruined his life. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The enemy wants to tell you that your story is not worth anything and that there's no way that where you are right now can be turned around. There's no way that God can put that back on track and use that in your life. That's what he wants to tell you, but we see in scripture, we see in our lives, we see in the lives of others that what the enemy meant for harm, God will use. God doesn't cause it, but he will use it. And we see that in scripture, we see that in Michael Jr.'s life, and I want you to see that in your own. No matter where your story is right now today, God can use it. God is already preparing you for where he's taking you. You have to continue to follow him in it. So thirdly, very quickly, Stories are meant to be told. They are. Stories, we have to tell stories. There's no good keeping a story to ourselves. I'm convinced that some of the best stories are told around a bonfire. Anyone agree? They're, they're told, now again, it's hard to believe all of them. When we have a bonfire for the men's ministry and fishing comes up, again, 60% is what I usually believe. Um, because there's, there's embellishments, but it, it, for some reason, it's a natural place to have a conversation. Some of these guys, they'll tell the best stories, and some of them you can tell that they've worked up, but um, they have a way of bringing you into what is going on. They make you wish that you were there. That's the best story, is when someone's talking to you, telling you something that happened, and they're so excited about it, they're so engaged in it, that you're like, I, I need to be there next time. Whatever is going on, I, gotta, I have to be part of that, stories are meant to be told. And in my opinion, an untold story isn't a story, it's a secret, right? An untold story is a secret. If I have something amazing that God has done in my life, something that he's worked on uh, in me, and I keep it to myself, that's not gonna do anybody any good. It's not gonna do me any good because I'm keeping it as a secret. When something amazing or terrible happens at work, we have to tell somebody. It could be our spouse or another coworker or a friend or a neighbor. We're not wired to keep things inside. Now, we do know who we should not tell things to, right? 
Um, if you have like a secret or a, a story that's kind of sensitive, we all have that person in our lives that you know you can't tell because they'll blab it to everyone, right? And if you don't know that person in your life, it's because you are that person, okay? <laughs> it's just deduction, all right? But we want to tell things to people, and nothing is worse, in my opinion, when you have something big and exciting and wonderful to tell people, but you can't, right? I hate that feeling. When, when Amy and I, uh, when we found out that Amy was pregnant, and we were so excited, uh, we wanted to tell people, but we knew that there wasn't wisdom in that, and we knew that we had to take some time to, to get around to it, and, and so we took our time, and eventually, like I said, there was, I think there was somebody who blabbed it to, a, a family member who blabbed it to somebody else, and, but, but we, we were eager to do that, because we wanted to, to tell people about this exciting <laughs> thing. It wasn't mom, no. It was my cousin. She did it. Um, but we were excited. We had something amazing to tell people. And what is more important in our lives, what should be more important, and the answer is nothing in our lives, than what God is doing in us. It's easy to tell somebody uh, about the new car you got or something exciting that happened at work. And, and the challenge that I'm issuing, not only to you but to myself, is how do, uh, can, can we be that excited to tell people about what's, what God has done in our lives? Even when our story has had some, some ups and downs, even when we don't know yet where it's going, but we can be excited about the fact that we're walking through life with God. We have to be able to share it with those around us. Yes, it can be scary. Yes, it can feel vulnerable. Yes, it can be uncomfortable, but it also can change people's lives. Because when we share our story, we're inviting someone else in to what God is doing. Whether or not they have a relationship with God. And in that moment, when we invite someone else to be part of what God's doing in our lives, God starts to work on them. That guy was laying on a mat. He couldn't do anything, and these people pick him up. They basically forced—maybe they forced him. I don't know. They drug him to Jesus, and that's where he, he, his story completely changed. He went from not having hope to being whole in God. I think sharing your story, I think it's kind of like those guys who helped the paralyzed man get to Jesus. They had an opportunity, and they took it. They didn't know what the outcome would be. They had faith, obviously, in Jesus, but they, there's no way they could be sure what would have happened. But they saw the ultimate payoff when they, when they opened their arms up and they brought that man into what was going on. They knew the potential of that guy being healed was worth any risk of feeling of uncomfortability on their part. And that's the hard part because sharing our story with people, it opens us up. When, when you open someone up, you bring them in, but you also expose yourself to hurt. You also expose yourself to, to, um, to pain. And that's the hard part. But what I want to see for myself and what I want to see for each and every one of us is that, is that the pain of of knowing that we could have we helped someone with our experience and we missed it, that's going to be greater than the pain that I might have as a result of being told to stop talking about God. That's what I want for my life. I want to get to a point where I can continue to share my story with people and to do so in a way 
without fear. And here's the thing. I'm not the one telling you to share your story. It's not me. It's, it's God. Because we see it in Scripture. Jesus, like I said, Jesus shared stories. His life turned out to be the greatest story ever told. In Mark 5.19, Jesus had, uh, had just healed a man. And, and the man wanted to jump, I, I believe it was, jump in the boat with him. And Jesus, it says, Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and, now, and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus knew that when this guy went home, there would be people who knew him. There would be people who knew his story to that point. I believe he was demon-possessed, so they're going to be aware that this guy is coming home. And when they see him, they might ask him a question. Hey, what happened? And that gives him the ability to share his story. Jesus tells him, go and tell them what has happened here today. And I believe that that command is, is the same to us. We're supposed to go tell people, because you're going to run into people who knew you as one way or knew what you were going through in your life, and when they see what God is doing, it's going to encourage them, and they're going to say, man, if God can do that to you in your life, maybe he can do something in my own life. Luke 8, 16 through 17 says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. The light is not meant to be hid. The story of, of Jesus is not meant to be hidden. The story of what God is doing right now in your life, even when it's hard to see, is meant to be shared. As you think through what God has done and is doing in your life, you will experience doubt. That's part of it. You will experience doubt. The devil wants to con uh, convince you that you're not going to, to do anything with your story. He's going to try and tell you you have nothing to tell, and you have to treat his words almost like reverse psychology. If he tells you you don't have a story and that God isn't going to use it or it won't impact someone's life, you have to believe the exact opposite of all of that. You have a story. It's still being written, and it's something worth being shared. We have to remember that. Um, an author by the name of Maya Angelou, she said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. Like we talked about just a minute. As you begin to understand what God has done in your life, I believe that the Holy Spirit begins to work on us, and pretty soon it's hard to keep that inside. And so we, we get to a point where, where we open ourselves up to share what God is doing. And I believe that that is an amazing point to get to. God writes our stories and he wants to use them and that's why we need to share them. An author doesn't spend time putting together an amazing plot, character development, and conflict resolution just to see that draft sit on the shelf. The story that he's writing in your life, in my life, is not meant to just sit there and collect dust. It's meant to encourage, it's meant to inspire, it's meant to show the power of God and how he has done things in our lives. And we have the ability to connect with so many more people than, than I can as a pastor or than so-and-so can as a connect group leader. We have the ability to impact so many people with what God has done in our lives. 
so in just a moment, we're going to pray, and, and the way we're going to conclude today is um, the worship team's going to play uh, one, one slower song as we conclude, and what, what I want to encourage you is if you, this thought of your story, if there's something that you need encouragement about, whether it's um, the strength to share your story, or maybe it's the, the ability to see what your story is, if you want some encouragement, if you want some prayer, I would invite you to come to the front. We would love to pray for you just for a moment. We'll have uh, any connect group leaders or deacons who are available to help uh, pray with, with you. We want to encourage you in your story. We want to walk beside you in your story. We want to be part of your story. That's the beauty of church. We don't have to do life alone, and there can be overlap in our stories because of what God is doing. So after we pray, I'm just going to invite you, if you would like some prayer, to come, come forward, and we'd love to lift you up in prayer. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and active today, and, and Father, I thank you that right now today, no matter where we are, no matter what we brought with us, God, you have a story that's being written out in our lives. You have a story of, of your presence, your work, your, your plan in our lives. And Lord, today I pray that for the one who is struggling to see where you're at work in their lives, Lord, I pray that their, their mind would be open, that you would speak to them, that you would show them the area of their life that you are at work in. And maybe what that means is they have to go alongside someone else. They have to bring someone else into their story and say, this is, this is what I'm dealing with. Can you help me? Can you guide me? Can you uh, give me some hope in this moment? And Lord, for, for those of us who, as we think about our story, we know that you've been good to us. We know that you've done amazing things in our lives, but the thought of sharing that with someone else is terrifying. Lord, I pray that you would remove that, that bondage of fear in our lives. God, that the fear of someone missing out on what our story could mean for them would be greater than the fear of sharing that story. And Lord, I pray that as your people open themselves up to, to tell others about what you've done in their lives, God, that, that we would see miracles, that we, we would see others come into a relationship with Jesus because of, of the willingness of your people to share their story. Father, I thank you that you are the author of our story. It's not us. And you have good plans. You have a plan to, de to develop that, that plot to develop our character, but we have to continue turning that page. We have to continue following after you to find out where you're taking us. Lord, I just pray that your presence would be here as, as we respond and uh, we, we follow more after you. In your name, amen.